Let me. Because we can do it online too, so you don't have to leave the house. You can sit there in your little robe. Yeah, because we're doing dinner with you on the third, which means yeah, I probably am off on the seventh. I mean, you could also just sit there in your t-shirt, nothing else, or anything. I mean, double ducking it is one of the pleasures. (laughs) The home recording thing is one of the true pleasures of working from home. We're gonna pull back the curtain. We're actually both double ducking it right now. We just don't. (laughs) As long as we don't look down, it's great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Seriously Pointless Conversations About Culture, your Seriously Pointless podcast about all your nerdy geek things across time and the interdimensional land of Sudra. My name is David, and I am joined by James. Hey, that was kind of a stretch on that one. Uh, you know, I'm trying. <laughs> it was, uh, it, it's just, I'm trying, I'm trying to go with things. So obviously, it's one of those things that uh, uh, we're, we're, we're trying to find intros in all of our, like, that connect things together. And sometimes they're very loose and very, uh, Wiggly, wobbly, timey-wimey kind of stuff. But anyways, today, guys, uh, where James and I are going to be talking about uh, the wonderfully uh, delightful uh, independent game Axiom Verge. Um, it's something that James actually hasn't got a hold of yet, but you mm-hmm. know he's heard me talk about it enough the last two weeks that uh, he might actually have not have to play it at all. But who knows? <laughs> he probably will at some point. But anyways... So uh, before we get into the meat and the potatoes of things, uh, we're going to start with some nice buttery uh, carrots that have been sautéed for approximately like 15, 20 minutes. You know, I've got a nice caramelized uh, thing. Sorry, we were watching a lot of food videos. I said, I'm going to some brown sugar and some butter. Mm, yeah, that's some good. That's, <laughs> that's, cinnamon, you know, that's some, some good West, uh, good West uh, uh, cooking right there. <laughs> Throw some like parsnips in there with them too. That'd be really good, dude. Mm. I I was digging some parsnips. Wow, we were really tangenting off. Into, okay, so by parsnips, the way, parsnips are amazing. By the way, this is going to be uh, the David and James Food Network show. Finally, yeah, I'd be down for that. <laughs> we, we're just going to go off on a tangent. But anyway, where you said parsnips, start, start a YouTube channel. We can do some <laughs> cooking videos. It might be a real niche for us. That's right. It's you know, hey, I could be your bumbling like beaker assistant. I'm like. Me, 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 me. We can like talk about Pokemon, like make a Togepi angel food cake. I mean, it'd be great. That would be intense. <laughs> I would be down. Like, if you could get a mold, a cutout mold of Togepi, that would, I would, I would, I wouldn't be mad. I'd be like, let's fucking do this. <laughs> so, but yeah, so that, that besides us trying to uh, talk about our aspirations about being nerdy cooks, what have you been up to this week, man? So, I have been playing a uh, game that came out last year called Spirit Fairer. Yeah, so I sold it on uh, Game Pass, too. It's... It was on the Game Pass, and I got it on my Xbox, and I've been playing it for the last few days, and it's actually a lot of fun. Yeah? It's about, like, you take over Charon's role as, like, the spirit fairy. You're, like, you find spirits out in the world, and, like, you usher them back, and you help them, like, solve their their last regrets and mistakes in life, and then you bring them eventually back to the gate, like, where spirits leave, and they leave the world. And in the meantime, like, you have this boat... And you like build farms and you build foundries and you build them little houses and you upgrade their houses and you do quests for them and you this, kind of explore the This seems map. like it's right up your alley. Just it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of got that, you know, Harvest Mooney type vibe where you're, you're gathering resources and you're building stuff and you're upgrading your ship and then you're doing these little quests and eventually everyone gets a very emotional send off, which I could kind of skip that part, but. 
James. It's all it's all about the upgrades. You skipped the story. <laughs> I can I read all the story. I'm proud of you. Always. It's it's a little telling though that the the time length of the cutscene mm-hmm. for sending off these characters is like three minutes. Wow. But if you read really fast, you can finish reading the cutscene in like 20 seconds, and then you get us gotta watch them scroll across the screen as they get to the end of it. James, <laughs> can't believe you do that. Somebody worked really hard on this game, and I read every word of it. <laughs> Anyways, though, that's, that's awesome, though. I, I, so I have actually loaded it up on my my PC. I really want to play it, too. So mm-hmm. I, I, I I just have been putting it off and kind of doing other couple little things, too. So it just, it's, it's very chill. It's a no-pressure game. That's what I've been feeling like I need in the last couple of weeks. It's just like something that I just don't have to think about. Mm-hmm. But it's like calm and relaxing, and it still has a, a good... A good enough story to kind of get me a little bit involved. I'm not like so like I've got to get I've got to get all the achievements. I've got to get them all. No, for this one, it's like man, I need four cabbages for that dude, and he won't be happy till I get him four cabbages. Hey, you know what? I know a guy that has a cabbage cart. Just saying, <laughs> my cabbages, my oh. <laughs> oh my god, I love that show, <laughs> Kelly. How about you? What have you been up to? <laughs> And so I actually I have actually been working all weekend, so that was phenomenal. Um, <laughs> uh, before that, though, I have actually been uh, playing a little bit more of Binding of Isaac and uh, Super Mario Odyssey. Like I said, I like I told you last time, I am I'm dead set on trying to get at least the majority of the moons. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Super Mario Odyssey, and there's definitely going to be some difficult ones in there, mm-hmm. um, especially the Koopa, the Koopa uh, freestyle racing or the free runner racings. Yeah, I, it, it's a little irritating. I don't know if they upgraded it to where it's going to be, um, where it's it, it is uh, based on people's uh, runs times and are like how they ran on it or how they do that, or if it's just all built in already. Um, I don't know. Uh, but there are some seriously fast turtles that I have to try to beat in in some of these in, in some Man, of these. You things. need some of those speedrun strats. I don't, dude. I'm that's what I was looking at. I'm looking at. It and I'm like, how are they doing these moves? Like, I'm like, maybe I'm just doing it all wrong, and I don't know. But yeah, it's, if watching it's, it's Smiley is any indication, they just kind of go straight up the cliff face and skip the whole race. I'm gonna. Oh God, if I could do that, if I was that good, <laughs> I would be down there. And I'm sitting there just watching the turtles. I'm like, I'll just follow the turtles. <laughs> Wrong move. I think that's the thing. You can't run faster than the turtles, so as long as you're taking their route, you're never going to win. No, no. That's <laughs> kind of what I'm assuming. But you need to cheat. I That's what I'm trying to get down to at this point, because I was playing a normal race against him, and he just, like, by a mass of, like, 15 seconds, he the, like, the number one guy beat me. But I was still in second. I'm like, who does this? <laughs> I'm like, who makes this game? This is BS. But other than that, it's all the other, you know, uh, trophies or the, the moons have been pretty much a breeze, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of it's just like go here, pound that, do a little quick little weird like maneuver. But it's it's fun enough that like you, you stay in, you know, invested in it. So it's not like crazy out there. And that's what I found. Like a lot of those post game moons are more just a question of finding them yeah. more than anything. I think like the, you're meant to talk to like the chat hint parrot and like do them one by one. And Yeah, no. <laughs> Screw that parrot. I, I, I don't want to talk to him at all. You've got the guide loaded up and you're just clicking through them and doing uh, them? I might be. <laughs> Luckily, whoever made those has got all the moons time stamped and so I can jump around to whichever ones I need. Oh, gosh. A video guide even. Yeah. Hey, you know, I'm a very visual kind of guy, so give me a break. You know, it's it's phenomenal. But, yeah, that's, that's what I've been doing. I've been doing that. And what was the other thing I've been doing? 
uh, I have been watching some more Venture Brothers, uh, mm-hmm. which I'm already actually all all the way if into season two, which I have a feeling you remember Venture Brothers. I remember Venture Brothers. The the show was pretty disjointed to begin with, like at least, but in like season one, there's at least kind of somewhat of a plot. Yeah. Since in season two, I don't know what the hell is going on half the time. And it yeah, kind of makes me a little bit like I can kind of see why they didn't renew it. I think because they did three seasons and then didn't, didn't get renewed for a while. I think, but um, it just yeah, kind of and by the sad. nature of, by the nature of the show, I mean it doesn't really lend itself to a consistent plot anyway. Well, even if they did something like uh, as much as like, hey, this week you know Doctor Venture you know got his arm cut off. Next week they don't even talk about it, or like they don't even talk about how like. I just want the smallest bit of consistency. Well, it's one of those shows about nothing. It's a collection of essential lunatics who are kind yeah. of, you know, bound together on this very thin premise. And then you just kind of put them in weird situations and see what happens. I although mean, although they do, I think the Shows one, like that are a ton of fun, but they don't get 12 seasons. No, they don't. The <laughs> one the one thing they do kind of consistently go back towards is the monarch's relationship with Dr. Dr. Girlfriend, which yes. is hilarious. <laughs> Um, they do come back and between it's like a love triangle triangle between uh, the monarch doctor doctor girlfriend and then um, oh phantom limb that that whole <laughs> thing and like why is this even a thing like it seems like we should just make a show about these three and like how much they like they get pissed off at each other and they get back together and then they just like hate the venture bro brothers <laughs> like in- industries like to no end. But somehow Brock always stops the bad thing. That's like literally the plot of like the whole seat, the whole Very show. Much. But yeah, I've been watching that, and that was that's been a blast. Um, actually, on top of that, I actually started watching the new uh, Hugh Jackman movie, uh, Reminiscence. Okay, it's bizarre. Um, it's it's kind of like a, a dystopian future movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, so it's set in Miami, and like the flood, like you know. Oceans have risen, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, like a vast majority of the city is like kind of like partially underwater, but you can still move around in it. Well, obviously, it's like wars came about because of all this jazz, and then people started getting really nostalgic. It's kind of like a little bit what we're going through okay. now, a little bit. Um, it's a little depressing, but it's starting to kind of turn into a um, kind of a thriller. So, like this gal comes into his. Uh, this his lab, I guess you would call it, because they do people start to, you know, like I said, start to reminisce a little bit more, you know, want to go back, you know, get nostalgic. And they have these little tubes that you can sit in that basically stimulate your brain to so you can remember things and you can re basically relive those memories. Okay. Like in real time. And he runs this facility, but this gal comes in, he kind of falls in love with her, and I think it kind of goes from I'm about that's kind of kind of where I'm about at. Where at. About where I'm at. He's uh, done the one night stand thing with her, and now he's kind of like starting to get to know her a little bit. I'm interested to see like I'm sure she's going to get killed off, and he's going to get obsessed with her, or she's going to disappear, or something like that, and it's going to be really cool. Something or maybe, like or maybe it's just a memory that is going through. Or her memories are going to be the key to what happened to the world, or something. Who knows? Yeah. But like, it seems really cool. So I'm going to try and finish that tonight, and I. I love anything Hugh Jackman is because goddamn the man is gorgeous. <laughs> so uh, I mean, I mean, I can say that about most actors and whatnot. But the man is fifty and he's in a phenomenal shape and he can deadlift more than I can. I've seen him do videos. So I mean, yeah, for a fifty-year-old, he's pretty amazing. That's right, he is, and he'll always be uh, my Wolverine forever and ever, Logan. That's, what That's I'm right. I mean, I just how can they replace him? As Wolverine? 
They they can't. They can't. They can't. I don't think they ever will. But uh, I kind of hope they he they've kind of got talks into him maybe him coming back in the next uh, the third Deadpool movie as Wolverine, just like a little cameo. <laughs> That I would be great. I would because like him and Ryan Reynolds have it's like this bromance a little bit. Mm-hmm. They like they make fun of each other back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's so I kind of think they've got something in the works. But I think we'll that'll see. be perfect. We'll see. So, but yeah. So that's pretty much what I've been doing. Have you been uh, playing around with anything else or watching anything I else? I wanted to mention some of the anime from this season. I think Ooh, I promised yeah. that last week. Yeah, you did. Um, Good. A couple of them are interesting. Uh, there's one called the Case Study of Vanitas. I'm not sure if this one's going to be any good or not. Okay. It's about this like blue vampire who is somehow different from the red vampires. He's blue. He has blue eyes because he is born under okay. the blue moon, which is apparently a thing. I thought that he was like gonna have blue skin. I'm just like, what so, in God's name? I don't know. I'm on episode three of this one's been dubbed at this point. It might just be a dime a dozen anime. Yeah. I'm not sure yet, but it's not bad at least. Uh, Zombieland Saga has a second yes. season. It's not as good as the first one. Oh, don't say that. I loved the first <laughs> season. It was great. It was so goofy and dumb. Yeah, it's just a little bit less character centric. It's okay. still goofy and dumb. Okay. I and there's still and there's still lots of songs by zombie girls. Good. So you'll probably still enjoy it if you like the is first the one. Is the Marlis one still on there? And she's like, yes. Tay okay. is still there. Okay, and good. she's still eating dried squid. So good. I'm proud you of can that. have fun with that. <laughs> Actually, the first episode was really good. Okay. It's about how apparently off screen one of their performances was a massive bomb because they tried to book book a bigger theater than they could, mm-hmm. and they lost all their money. They went in debt, and the girls have been working part time jobs to try and make the money back. <laughs> while the manager has been depressed and drinking himself into a stupor. Ah, uh, so he's gone the other way, as opposed to like extreme, like you know, overly protective guy. He's gone the other way. It's like it doesn't gone care to about like it. extreme deadbeatness. <laughs> I love it. Uh, another good one was Full Dive, This Ultimate Reality RPG Sucks. Ooh. This is one from last season that's almost done. Okay. But it's about a kid playing this overly realistic game, like to the point where it takes your nervous tics from real life and puts them in the game. And oh, wow. if you die, it destroys your game console to it's, punish you. It's a little bit almost like a, you're awake online kind of thing, a little bit almost. It's, it's kind of along those lines. I mean, among other things, in uh, the first episode, the character accidentally kills his best friend. Oh my god, accidentally? Accidentally, but then it turns the character who is supposed to be his girlfriend into a murderous psychopath trying to go after him. Oh my god. Uh, at one point he's getting interrogated and he pees his pants and attracts the attention of the interrogator. Oh, Jesus. This it's, is it's kind of dark, but it's actually pretty funny, too. Okay. So it's it's actually got a little lighthearted humor in there a little bit? Yes. Okay, it's, good. it's a lot of kind of dark humor. But it sounds like it's right up my alley, then. Maybe. I think you would probably enjoy that one. Okay. Now, one that Jackie might enjoy, uh, the Saint's magic power is omnipotent. I think you told it's me about that one. It's in one It's about a girl who gets pulled into the new world. Mm-hmm. And there's two girls that get pulled in, and at first they think she's not the magic saint person. Yeah. And she goes and works at a potion shop, and she makes a bunch of potions, and then she learns how to enchant things. And it's, it's a charming little thing. It's a female-centric one. Okay, cool. It's pretty. It has relationships like a bit. Jackie might like that yeah, one. Yeah, real feeling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll ask her too if she wants there's to There's a few more that are probably good. Uh, Dungeon not, of the Black Company. Yeah. I only watched like the first episode, but it seemed interesting. Okay. Kimono Jihen finished up from last season, of course. And that one was pretty good. Okay. I think that one sure will get another season. But actually, the most standout thing probably is that Dragon Maid is getting its second season. What? Finally? Yes. Okay. So I was, I know, I don't really like uh, Esekes all that much. And 
that was one of those ones I actually really enjoyed. It was kind of crude enough and funny enough. I was I was about it a little bit more, <laughs> and so I can kind of I, I will probably watch the third or the second season with Jackie if that when that yeah, comes out. I remember Jackie really liked Dragon Maiden. Even with like some of the weirdness and like kind of like the overt sexualization a little bit, it's it's it was still pretty funny though. Well, among other things, the female gets turned into a male in like the first episode or two, and there's a new dragon. So, oh my goodness! <laughs> so that sounds fun. I, I will be it, I would be down to see fun. that. So, uh, but yeah, that's cool. That's a great lineup for this year. Um, I think that might we might start uh, doing that every so often, seeing if uh, you want to put put uh, point out some new uh, mm-hmm. anime that you're seeing. You know, maybe a quarterly thing every so often. Yeah, be fun. That'd be fun because I know, I know, because you're a little bit more in touch with that than I am. I'm kind of like a casual dip my toe in every once in a while. So, yeah, Kelly and I watch an awful lot of this. I I noticed. I I did not notice at all, James, when I get on Funimation, (laughs) and I'm just like, my God, I'm like, where? I'm trying to find like go back and find the episode that I was watching, and I'm like, I have to go back like, you know, 15 episodes. I'm like, man, you guys have been powering through, haven't you? Okay, so last one I want to mention. Oh. This one is, seems really promising. It's called the Dungeon of Black Company. Well, this is a, yeah. This is about a guy who is like the ultimate like successful meat in the real world. Uh-huh. Like he spent his twenties, you know, day trading. He made his millions of dollars. He bought a bunch of high rise apartments, and he set himself at the top of the biggest one. And he's going to. He's like twenty five, and he's going to live off his passive income and live yeah, in his house live for forever. His life. Yeah. Super rich guy. But yeah, and so he gets a second into a new world, which is like this corporate run world run yeah. by demons. And it's about him trying to claw his way back to the top of the corporate ladder. I can dig that. In the demon world. It's actually really funny. Just like throwing somebody in a whole new, like different. I mean, in the second episode, he starts a workers' rights revolution among the monster ants in order to corner the market on goods coming from the third floor of the dungeon. Yeah, okay, I might watch that. I mean, it's, it's that's, pretty funny. That's pretty funny. <laughs> little real, little real, too real world, but it's still really funny, though, to just check out. So, But yeah, so yeah. that's what we've been up to, guys. Um, if you want to talk, call in, or not when I say call in, like we're a call-in radio show or something. If you guys want to uh, email us our post and tell us what you guys have been up to so we can uh, discuss it on the show, let us know. Um, but we're going to be moving straight on into the i guess you would call it the the luscious fluffy potatoes with a nice turkey gravy you want turkey gravy this time james or you want to do turkey gravy let's do a turkey gravy on top of there nice roasted turkey gravy a nice roasted turkey gravy uh on top of the mashed potatoes that is the news this week uh for uh, august 21st um so what would you like to talk about first you want to talk about some fun news you want to talk about some sad news first you know let's do the sad news first. all right so uh, according to um, thegamer.com, uh, written by Andrea Sharon, uh, Halo Infinite's campaign won't ship with co-op at launch. Um, so that's a big thing uh, coming out of um, Microsoft Studios. So for um, 343's uh, latest update, noting that they uh, made the really, quote, really tough decision to delay uh, Forge and co-op campaigns so the team could focus on the rest of the Infinite up, bringing the rest of Infinite up to the quality to quality standards. There's no word on when Infinite itself is launching outside of the vague holiday 2021 window. So it's unclear on when they can expect Forge or Co-op to follow. I would just like to point out that this is awfully familiar to me. If you remember yeah. uh, like when Fortnite launched as a Battle Royale game because the, quote, the single-player campaign was taking too long to develop and they needed to support the game. Yeah. Yeah. I said I would not be surprised. So I, I expect loot boxes. I expect battle passes. Yep. All these wonderful things which Fortnite has brought into the world. 
This is going to be a Fortnite game. It pisses me off a little bit. And I, I definitely understand that like Microsoft is going to try and go into that market because it's a lot of money. They see how much money like EA is making and all these other big companies are making just from these loot box systems. But the problem is I'm starting to see kind of pushback because I don't know how, how your feeling is on loot box. I know like more like morally and then like, you know, as a as a video game enthusiast, as, as a video game enthusiast. I see that and I say, why the hell do you put this in my game? I just want to play my game. Just like, let me choose what rewards I want. You know, give me a currency and I can pick out which rewards I want. I don't want mm-hmm. to have to do a loot box where it's just some random system where I have to play over and over again. And the and the percentages of getting me getting these really fun items that I might want are so like minute. So, no. and that's the thing. It's like, you know, morally, it's gambling. Yeah, obviously. And, yeah. you know, like any type of gambling, I think, you know, responsibly done, it can be a lot of fun. Yeah. I don't necessarily want that in my video games. Yeah. For me, gambling involves casinos and cigars and a poker table. It's right. Not seeing the sunlight for, you know, three days. It's like, I, I, might show up, like I might show up and I might, you know, drop a hundred bucks and I walk into the casino knowing that I'm going to leave a hundred dollars poor. But, but do you walk into the casino dapper with a coat with like a a nice like suit and like the the fedora and the I glasses should some, i should sometimes with a cane like... but you have to have an entourage of like people behind you and one guy's just playing like music <laughs> or play the uh the old big lobster song from futurama that'd be good i too. love that i go like popular hip-hop and you're just like Random obscure song. <laughs> it's Futurama. It's not obscure. It's a lot more obscure than what I was going with. Okay, so. But anyways, that's actually a really good one. I do like that song. That might be our intro song. We might throw it in so today. But but yeah, so that's kind of. Yeah, but like from a gaming yeah. standpoint, like the whole loot box phenomena, the season pass thing. Like on one hand, it's nice because you know the games have more longevity. People yeah. are playing them. There's some incentive to like really master a game like Fortnite or something. You yeah. can compete, and you, you can, can you gotta get good. Of, yeah, you can be part of this online thing. On the other hand, it encourages stagnation in a big way, and also it means that you're not really getting what you paid for. No, no, it's like you're you're not paying forty, fifty bucks getting a finished product that at the end of the game's life cycle you're going to stop playing it. It's something which is like meant to be a lifestyle thing, and so. Yep. Like I'm not just buying Fortnite to play it. I'm becoming a Fortnite player, and that means you're going to put in five, ten hours, twenty hours a week. Yeah, it's almost it's got that and wow to, kind of mentality about it, right? It's yeah, it's kind of like an MMORPG, but for shooter fans. Yeah, I mean that's really what they did. They or, took, or Dota fans or whatever. Yeah, I mean, they, they took that model of like, hey, these people are playing these matches constantly to try to like either increase their ranks or whatever it is. And now they're like, oh, if we can get these guys hooked in there and they're constantly coming back to try to get that dopamine hit and mm-hmm. try to get that uh, new item that, you know, because Fortnite is big about it. Their season, like what, like 24 or something mm-hmm. stupid like that. They do it every every few months. They basically drop it. They go, oh, hey, look, we got the new item you can try and get. You know, it's uh, it's a Thor's hammer or it's yeah, here's you can like fly galaxy now. pickaxe. When you break a rock, it makes a star die. I mean... Yeah, and it's, it's kind of one of those things that just kind of drives me up the wall that they do stuff like this. Um, and it, 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 I, I don't know. It just it just drives me up the wall that they, they feel like the, the need to do that. I feel like games should have kind of like a finite cycle. And I get that companies would rather have a standing model because it's so much easier for them to keep that game there and then just slowly implement things over the course of like a decade and keep so, sucking money out of it. It's predictable, reliable revenue streams. Yeah. 
and they all have the same pipe dream of turning gaming into a sport. Because they, they want gaming to be something you play at home with your friends, yeah. and then you watch the games on TV afterwards. And Because on top of that, you got ad the first, revenue, the first company that can really, merchandising, yeah. all that jazz, and it all comes with well, it. It's a huge cash cow that we're trying to and get. And they know the first company that can successfully make gaming yep. a couch activity you do with your family, like football yep. or something, yep. that game is going to live forever. So yep. I think Overwatch dropped millions and millions and millions Which, of dollars into it. I don't know, like I said, with all their stuff going on, I don't know if it's going to last. They, they, had the, they had the best... They kind of lost their momentum whenever they yeah. they failed to produce content for the game for like a solid year now. Yeah. And so unless Overwatch 2 like really slaps hard, like it's going to have to be the best shooter we've seen since yeah. like the beginning of shooters. I, yeah, that's I think I it's going to fall apart, especially with the scandal going on in Blizzard. I, that's what I was kind of thinking too, and that's kind of my, my money. It's a little bit more on these... Uh... So yeah, I don't know... My money is going to be on uh, some of these bigger, like shooter games, probably more towards like Siege, uh, maybe even a little PUBG, possibly. Um, but it, I just don't see that you know Blizzard and those guys are going to go. It's going to you're going to have these smaller niche markets, mm-hmm. and eventually, I think that maybe a, like ESPN is going to buy up the rights to basically broadcast all these things. And they're just going to be under one giant banner, but with all these little companies getting a little bit of the revenue in there, maybe. It's a distinct possibility. I don't know. I mean, I, I know that the companies like Microsoft would love to be the one to come up with yeah. the channel and everyone had to buy from them. And to but, be fair, they've got... But who has the money to out-broadcast a broadcast company? I think you're right. Eventually, it's going to get popular enough that ESPN or someone's going to buy it out and yeah. take over well, the market. I think that Microsoft is making a few moves. That moves. They're buying up these comps, some of these uh, smaller, like gaming companies um and i they've got the space to possibly like expand into that broadcasting area because they've got the, it's not like they don't have the server space you know and well, not, and they've got the infrastructure exactly. for it so i think they've got the infrastructure they've got the capital and uh and i i would not be surprised at all if this halo game comes out as mm-hmm. a subscription type shooter game like fortnite so, Which well, kind of segues into another news story we have for today. Yeah, which one do you want Talking to do? about Pokemon Unite, which is pretty much Nintendo's yep. effort to jump in on the same cash stream. Yeah, they're basically like, hey, look, we can do MOBAs. <laughs> it's basically just Dota with Pokemon slapped on it. I mean, it is, I have to admit, since the last time we talked about this game, I have played it. It is genuinely fun. Yeah, is, nice it some, is it something that I'm going to devote more time than I already have to it? Probably not. I mean, I played it for no. 10 or 20 hours and I'm probably done with it now. That's why can I, I kind of have the feel of it, too. It's like I – so we'll, we'll talk about this. So Pokemon Unite is is going to get a release. It's basically uh, – it's going to be released on mobile devices. So I guess they had enough of a positive response to mm-hmm. it that they're like – they're Nintendo's doing the Nintendo thing. Nintendo's been trying to move to mobile spaces for quite some time. They saw the, yes. the – they've seen the success of Pokemon Go. They've you know kind of seen some middling, middling success with – some of their uh, their runners, uh, their mobile runners like uh, Mario Kart and mm-hmm. uh, the Mario you know runner and things like that. I guess they're 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 finally saying, hey, you know, if we get through this, they're you know we've already got on the Switch. Why don't we try to throw on the phone? You well, know? it's a good move. I mean, the mobile game market is huge, oh God, especially yeah. amongst the younger end of gamers. When you're getting to like your teenagers and younger, playing yeah. on your home device is. Well, I mean, who doesn't yeah. have a phone nowadays, Everyone's right? Everyone's got a phone, and people are willing to drop a few bucks at a time on their phone yeah. while they're doing other stuff because they're not thinking about it. Because, well, I mean, the worst that happens is, you know, they charge, what, like maybe five bucks for the mm-hmm. game, 
uh, and so that's five bucks for the game. And on top of it, you can buy, like we were saying, you can buy all those uh, power ups, those those game boosts that help you level up your your items and things like that. And that's you know, it's it's just gonna be one of those whales. Like, who's gonna find that whale, right? And I think like everyone <laughs> is just trying to get out there and they're trying to play that Ahab, you know. Uh, have at the you know like grinning whale kind of thing you know they're trying to get out there and they're gonna they're gonna try and harpoon this whale to try to get as much money out as people as possible i think it's something like i forgot why i read it or read it a while ago it's something like like three billion dollars a year are, are spent on mobile phone transactions oh i'm sure at least and the and, really sick yeah. thing is that uh google and apple pocket a, a nice 20 percent of that yeah 20 30 percent it's like something ridiculous yeah. just for using their marketplace which to be fair to them every other video game distributor does a very similar thing yeah but there's a huge shakeup about that right now there too. was a wonderful lawsuit this last summer which is very interesting reading for anyone who's yeah i would check it out yeah between uh epic and uh apple and i believe it was also google too yeah it? google jumped in on it eventually but yeah fortnite the epic games and fortnite specifically was suing apple yeah because like i said you know they they want to make it's just like every company you know it's it's a dog eat dog world out there and they're all trying to get as little you know Three percent here and three percent there add up a lot in the long run, right? Well, and the interesting thing about it is, is what we saw with this Apple lawsuit. So it's like, well, if you have a game that's across multiple platforms, which yep. is quickly becoming the norm, thank goodness. Yeah, it's been ten years to coming at least, thank but God, it's man. starting to become the norm now. So okay, so now you can play Pokemon Unite, just for example, mm-hmm. on the Switch, or you can play it on your iPhone. Yep. Well, if you buy your Pokemon bucks on your iPhone, then Apple gets that cut. If you buy your Pokemon bucks on the Switch, then Nintendo gets that cut. It's all about where you want to put your money at, right? And so I was like, yeah, where are you going to spend that money at, especially if your account continues over both platforms? And this is where the Epic lawsuit came from because they were selling their Epic bucks for less money on PC than they did on the Apple Store because they didn't want to give Apple 20%. To be fair, you know, if I was them, I would have done the same thing because... It provides more revenue on there, like direct revenue to them. You know, that's the business model. Like, why, yeah. why wouldn't you do and that? And the problem was is that they advertised it in game on the Apple on the iPhone. Yeah, where they directly said in game they would say, "Hey, don't buy stuff here. Go to this other place." And Apple's like, "Whoa, that that breaks our terms of service." Pretty done fucked up, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's you know. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> Pokemon Unite's getting a release date. It's gonna be September twenty second. Yeah, but the, back to the actual the news. Yeah, actual news. Yeah, we, we're just griping about <laughs> about loot boxes now. Yeah, get off my lawn, kids. I know. I'm a, I'm a curmudgeon now. Anyway, Sylveon but, and, and Mammoth Swine. All matters. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, anyways, you're gonna say it's gonna be released into the Android and iOS on September twenty second. And what else? And uh, Sylveon and. Um, Mammoth Swine are going to be released as new playable Pokemon. I have no idea who those are. Sylveon is like the fairy type Eevee. Okay. And Mammoth Swine is a big freaking ice mammoth. Okay, cool. So um, I'll toss it on top of that as well, though. Uh, apparently, since they announced that uh, at the Pokemon Presents broadcast, they said if you pre-register on the App Store or the Google, uh, Google Play, Nintendo notes that if you pre-register... Uh, if it hits that certain number of participants, those that sign up will receive in-game bonus items such as 1,000 Eros tickets and a festival-style skin for Pikachu. Woo! Yay! <laughs> Give me more. I want more for my loyalty. 
Give it to me. I mean, Pikachu skins are a heavy currency. I'm just saying. So I've I've actually pre- already pre-registered. So oh, I, really? Yeah. <laughs> this is going to keep me busy if, um, depending on what the future holds and things like that, and especially if I'm just sitting in my I mean, car not doing anything. A thousand tickets that gets you like a hundred upgrade item upgrade modules. I know it's it's well worth it, dude. Like That'll I said, get you like two levels for your item that you're trying what, to upgrade. What? That's right. <laughs> Suck it. You know, talked about some other like more fun things though that are actually occurring in games. Some more positive things. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you guys are familiar with uh, the Fallout uh, seventy six, I believe that's who they signed. Uh, they, they they're talking about for so. Um, Bethesda actually hired a head writer of the Fallout London mod. Um, this is coming from the uh, also the gamer dot com by Riano uh, Bevan. Uh, so. Uh, Apparently, it was the announcement. Uh, uh, Fallout London was revealed to the world in June with an incredibly impressive AAA quality announcement trailer. Now it appears the fans of the series weren't the only ones hooked in, as Bethesda has hired the project's lead writer. Um, so that is a Stephanie. I'm going to butcher her last name, Zacharias. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that's how how you say your name. Um, but she's actually officially been hired by Bethesda to be a writer. Uh, for some of the trail stuff that's coming out in Fallout 76. I know you're not a big Fallout fan, um, but I, I would I was just going to put that out there because you don't see this very happen happen very often, uh, especially in the big gaming scenes. Like a lot of these guys that do their own personal mods and things mm-hmm. like that, they usually don't get hired uh, by these companies. They usually get you know sued into oblivion because they yeah. They I mean, do it's it's gone both ways like. in the past. Like I mean, the Stanley Parable, for example. Yeah. Was originally a mod that got eventually sold by Steam. Yep. Uh, I know there's some other mod writers that have gotten pulled into projects yep. before. It's usually in smaller, more like you know, smaller, usually more indie stuff. Or actually, yeah. another good example: The Binding of Isaac Repentance was based on a mod. Yep. And they hired the whole team and pretty much just rewrote the whole Anti-Birth mod, which is where Repentance came from. Yeah, which is phenomenal, by the way. Yeah, talking about it's a great some game. But... Yeah, I kind of actually had to take a break from. Uh, doing the basic like isaac runs and i started playing some greed ultra modes yeah greed mode i i struggle with greed mode because it's it's fun but at the same time it's like a compressed version of the game a little bit the randomness is even more real yeah my skill level is not good enough to make up for a bad start in greed mode because having to like do 10 waves or 12 waves The amount of consistency you need to clear that without some strong upgrades is is hard. And that's what I've come and run into is like if I don't have a damage upgrade, luckily the the all stat pluses, all stat increase uh, drops are significantly a little bit higher. I think they're pretty common. If you restart five or six times, you can yeah, usually you, get one. You usually get that, so it's not that terrible. And plus, you have the D six reroll at least once when you mm-hmm. for your free item, so it's not terrible. Um, and I can usually make it work for a little bit. There was a couple I got really close to the end a couple times on a couple and just made me a little mad. But but it, just wait it, till you're trying to get the ultra greed completion mark for like <sighs> the forgotten or something. It makes me so mad, dude. <laughs> I, it makes it kind of makes me a little anxiety inducing just thinking about it. Um, it took me so long to get Eve's because she's just such a shit character. That's why it's like I don't know why anybody wants to play with her. It's no offense. It's like it. It just—I just don't like that character. I don't I, like her either. But her unlocks are amazing, so which you, is why they do to, that. You have to that's do a, it. That's a shitty thing for them to do because <laughs> they know what they're doing. So, but yeah, that's that is kind of a cool thing. So apparently, like I said, they're they're going to bring her on for uh, they're going to bring um, uh, Miss Stephanie on for the uh, new Fallout um, uh, game, kind of uh, Fallout seventy six uh, uh, roadmap they're going to try to do. So uh, what they're looking to do is um, hopefully. 
she's going to be writing some of the expansions that are coming in for Fallout 76 is what I believe that we're, they're going to be doing. I guess they were so impressed. I have not seen the trailer for Fallout London yet, which, but to be fair though, it's really cool. So the whole series actually, it's set in, not set in the U.S. like no most Fallout games are. It's actually set in London, like I was saying. But she has all these, she basically did all this stuff that you could possibly think about. Um, she threw in a bunch of infections, the, the Gentry, the Tommies, uh, mm-hmm. and the Isle of the Dog Syndicate. So it's pretty cool that she's really, like, done a lot of work on this. And that's and, exciting. And it makes me wonder if uh, her mod is going to be pulled into the game. That would be really cool. a lot cool. of times when they hire these writers, it's because they want to use their IP as part of their game. Which I would be totally down with that because it would be nice to see. Because don't get me wrong, you know, you you are you have you played any of the Fallout games? I've dabbled in them here and there, okay. and they're cool games. I've just never well, like really gotten into yeah, one. Yeah, so you know where they they, they kind of jump around it's about, like, different bunker culture, and they're like jumping around different parts of the world. World, there are di- different parts of the U.S. They've never gone outside the U.S. Mm-hmm. So the first one, obviously, you've got it in like the uh, you have the the D.C. areas. The first one, Boston D.C. area. Mm-hmm. The second one is out in. Um, I'm um, sorry. Three is in the Boston, D.C. area. Uh, four, yeah, are following yourself. Here. Yeah, New Vegas. <laughs> New Vegas is in obviously the uh, you know Los Angeles, New you know the Las Vegas area. I played that one. For, you got me a copy of New Vegas. That was really good. That one for a bit. Uh, Fallout Four is in the Appalachian area. No, Fallout Four. Fallout Four in Appalachians. No, I'm trying to have. A, I'm having a brain fart. I think, no, Fallout 4 is not in the Appalachian area. I'm going to have to look back at that. That is also, I think that's more in the, more of a New England-y area as well. I have to look at the money. But 76 is based in the Appalachian area. So they haven't not, they have not gone out of the United States yet, which I would really like to see what they would do. And I think they kind of don't, I think it's they're a little afraid to go outside of the United States because I think maybe they, they think they're going to hit some stereotypes or something. That, I don't know. I mean, it's also like it, the game has a very distinctive style of humor and writing yeah. and a very distinctive, like, you know, the way they have like their in-game advertisements of different items popping yeah. up. I don't know how well that would translate to other cultures. I mean, if and they, so I, I mean, sticking to one, one language and one culture has to make that a little bit easier. Oh, absolutely. So I would totally agree. But, but then you get things like you know, Ghost of, Shish, uh, Ghost of uh, Shishima, which you have an English-based like company that will basically go over and they just inundate themselves with the culture. Mm-hmm. They like do trips over there. They you know watch tons of videos. They they basically read all this culture. They learn about that samurai culture, like yeah. every like minute detail. And you have an amazing project that comes out mm-hmm. that from people that have literally ne- they didn't live in the culture they weren't they didn't grow up in the culture but they can observe and absorb the culture and still make a really good product out of yeah, it, it which that's all it would take really yeah it's definitely possible and I think it would be the logical extension uh, they've covered a lot of the geographic areas of the U.S. yeah I think like I said it's it's unless they come down to good old you know the good old Mississippi around Missouri I I'm mean, just if, saying if they do like a Fallout St. Louis I'll play it. Hey, I would totally build a, a base <laughs> in the arch, even though it's like super uh, like like not feasible whatsoever. You know, it's, I'm just saying it would be really fun to actually. I'd probably take mm-hmm. over the Anheuser. That'd be really cool. You could take over the, the Anheuser brewery, the Anheuser brewery, brewery a little bit, maybe. <laughs> maybe take out Forest Park a little bit. But anyways, so that's that is uh, the Fallout news. The final piece of news we have is another little bit of sad news on my end, um, and I kind of cooked this in a little bit with. Uh, 
with maybe our more uh, card gamey board, you know, tabletops type stuff. Uh, Magic the Gathering and the anime Netflix series actually has just lost the Russo brothers. Um, and this comes out of IGN by uh, J. Kim Murphy. So if you guys are not familiar with the Russo brothers, uh, these are the two guys that basically did all the writing for, I believe it was Captain America Winter Soldier. And then they also did Infinity Wars. They did they did Infinity Wars, and they did uh, Endgame as well. So they basically did the, the and they did a couple other little ones in there too. But those are the three. The fact that they did those two those those three major films, every single one of those films, and especially Infinity War and Endgame, were huge money makers. Well, and they also lost Henry Gilroy, who wrote the Clone Wars at the yep. same time. Jiminy Christmas! So, I love that. Uh, and That's Jose cool. Molina, who's Agent Carter. Yeah. Also left. Jeez, that just makes, it, so they they lost a lot of their star power. See that just yeah, it kind of does. It, it that kind of speaks a little bit of like doom and gloom for me a little bit. It's um, uh, when you have a group of people who are passionate about such an old IP as Magic yeah. the Gathering, because these are really big name individuals, and I don't know what it cost to bring them onto this project. But probably way more than Netflix was ever going to make for the show. No, absolutely. They might have been doing it for less than they're worth, but they were all. When all these people leave at the same time, that's a sign that Netflix was probably trying to take this in a bad direction. Which makes me sad because I kind of like that. So Ravnica is the world where a lot of this stuff occurs at. And I love that. I love that whole idea of, you know, that the magic, the Planeswalkers universe, right? Because Ravnica is the world, right? Uh, there's a number of them. Ravnica is one of the worlds. Okay, so there we go. That's That shows how much I know. <laughs> that's, that's what the planeswalkers are. They're the individuals who yeah. can cross the planes to different worlds. Yeah, and, and I know so, Ravnica like, is one of them, like I said. And I've always really enjoyed the different like aspects of trying to figure out the different worlds and places that mm-hmm. they come across and they fight. And it seems like a really cool concept that you could do because it's such a rich history. Even just like the amount of like novels, like actual like written novels about magic the gathering and the planeswalkers mm-hmm. and stuff like that it's, it's extensive i mean there's probably it's an like, awesome novelization and i think there's potential for a really good show yeah what i'm hoping this isn't going to be is to be you know the american Yu-Gi-Oh, where they're going to dear god don't know <laughs> well i'd just like to point out that magic the gathering is competing against uh hearthstone and other similar card games and they've gone to an online platform too now which Granted, the new Magic Online is easily the best Magic the Gathering yes. online experience. It's actually a pleasure to play. Well, you don't want to play the one where you had the overworld overworld view and you have to walk places and you have to fight the little temples. Do you remember that okay, one? Okay, that game was actually really good. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe it. That like came out in like 2000 or something like that. No, like maybe, that was like 95. Even, really? That was for Windows 95. Oh my God. I remember us trying to make it run on Windows XP and it was very difficult. Yep. Okay. I remember that now. Yeah. Because I remember us cursing a few times about it that. It wasn't yeah. just compatibility mode. We had to get a patch for the game too. Which... <laughs> Trust me, kids. You have no idea. Like I said, the amount of work that we had to put in to play some of these games back in the day was just ridiculous. And now you just go online and find somebody who did it for funsies. Yeah. Anyway, that game was actually a ton of fun. Yeah. But yeah, it wasn't online by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> That was that was that was the first like digital deck builder in my opinion. Yeah, while still, but... yeah, the Magic Online game was a ton of fun. I can't bring myself to buy cards on it because I no. grew up playing physical card Magic the Gathering. Yeah, and... you know that slippery slope, and the fact that if I'm going to pay money for cards, I want to have a physical thing for it. I mean, how That's can I enjoy me. the cocaine and the ink if it's not in my hands? That's, That's true. You have to absorb it somehow, James. <laughs> no. like, you have to physically touch to absorb the cocaine. <laughs> Oh my God! So yeah, that's a co- that's a 
cardboard uh, cardboard crack uh, so, reference. Yeah, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I mean, like I said, it's a cool IP. There's a yeah. ton of history. I'm really worried this is meant to be like a tie-in to the card game, and mm-hmm. it's going to be a bad thing. We'll see. Especially when a bunch of these big developers left. Kind of leave. That yeah. makes me think that Netflix is starting to kind of shill it a little bit, and I don't know. Well, I'll let you know for sure, because like I said, it, whenever if it pops up eventually, I'm sure I can share uh, my Netflix with you, and you can watch it and at least see, tell me if you like it. Or maybe I'll come over and we can watch it together. We can, we can do a... Maybe we can bash it together. We can drink some bourbon and bash it. Bash it I'm bash a black, that's not my plan, Walker. You go, you go back to your town, fish person. Okay, I've only got one planeswalker in my heart. His name is Urza. That's right. Forever Urza. <laughs> I do. That was a huge thing. Was it? Was what's the what was the set called? It was Urza. It was his Urza's. I mean, Urza's legacy was one there's, set. There's, 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 two, there's, a, there's a whole cycle of Urza's ones. I remember there was a whole thing, but I remember you had like Urza Urza's. Was, Urza was the planeswalker. Yeah. Everyone else after him was like a planeswalker. <laughs> yeah, talking about like <laughs> kids don't even know. Because I just remember you having all those like Urza's gauntlets and Urza's ring and all that stuff, and it's just like. Or like, and like, it was just like a whole series of like everything was Ursa's, and I was just like, "Gee, many Christmas!" I'm like, "This was." I mean, yeah. I just remember that. Yeah, they I remember fun combo cards. I mean, hey, they were really fun. I remember I was being your, uh, I was your test guinea pig for the longest time. You're like, <laughs> "I want to see if this works, David. Here, take this shitty deck and play with it." And I'm like, "Okay." Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that was my role in life, but but yeah, that is that is the news. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into our uh, Axiom Verge review? Oh, uh, one quick plug, Carl uh, Jobst, the yeah. gaming legend that he is. Released a video just today about fraud and deception in the retro video game market. Mm-hmm. It's about an hour long. It is well worth the watch. Suffice to say that the Heritage Auction House, the uh, Waka Games that is grading these games, yep. are in bed together. A lot of they share a lot of the same executives, and they have artificially created this market yep. for uh, for sealed video games, which have been graded. And they happen to be some of the same people who were involved in the coin bubble from the eighties. Yeah, so it's keep a very in mind. interesting rabbit hole, and uh, yeah. I assume no one listening to this is buying these because you know, none of us no, have that type of money. But well, possibly if you do uh, <laughs> donate, possibly be our Patreon. I will come over and I will wash your feet for a thousand for a million dollars. I was I was about almost at a thousand dollars. I was like, I have a higher price tag than that. I mean, I might drop money for that. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to wash your feet for a million dollars? Just to like humiliate you yeah <laughs> I, mean, I have that's my price point is a million dollars i don't care i'm just saying it's not going to be done well i'm just gonna tell you that right now because you know details are my things so anyway. well, it's not gonna be a proper pedic anyway never mind suffice to say you yeah petty, if you haven't checked out carl Jobs's channel you should yeah. he's a legend but also this is an important video people should watch it is a very good rudy like i said i kind of uh you put me on it um, I'm gonna try and watch it later tonight, but it's it kind of dials back into that story we had last week uh, when that uh, sealed uh, Super Mario Bros. cartridge was that sold for two million two million dollars. So it, that's the company, one of the companies that was involved in that. So just keep that in mind, guys. Like I said, it, if you guys don't think that this is getting me a little conspiratorial, a little Alex Jonesy a little bit, but if you guys don't think some of these companies work the system for their benefit. You guys are willfully ignorant, and I kind of I, I think you guys just need to take a deep look at how they game some of these. So, well, no pun intended. They game the system for their benefit. Yeah. So, well, at the risk of belaboring this, for example, the auction yeah. house takes a twenty five percent cut of everything that's sold. Yeah. Uh, 
the video game grading company, Wonka Games, they take 2% of the listed value of the game when they grade it for you. Yep. And yeah. Anyway, watch the video. It's another reason kind of why. It's very I, interesting and uh, it'll open your eyes a yeah. little bit to how. It's kind of one of those reasons. Kind of one of those reasons why I never, I don't get, I don't uh, send off my, uh, send off my comic books for grading. I just kind of let them be. It is, if, if that's, if they're not going to be, I don't really plan on ever getting them graded. I just want to have enjoy them. That's why I think that a lot of these things should be just enjoyed, but that's just me. And that's one of the differences between a collector who wants to collect things and show them off and a speculator who is buying things to resell them. Yeah. And that's, that's the big difference right there. And it sounds like they're more speculators. So they're speculators. Anyways. So finally getting to the game. We're going to talk happy, about happy, happy topics, James. So let me ask you, James. So uh, what would you call this game? Would you consider this like a nice, like half chicken, half, uh, roasted half chicken roasted dinner or would you call this more of a, a filet mignon or maybe a nice meaty 15 ounce uh, prime ribeye steak see to me this is like this is like a comfort food of gaming okay it's a it's an old formula that works so I, i'm gonna so. go with the steak the nice steak maybe not a ribeye it might be like a strip but it's okay get a little newark strip about an eight ounce a little newark less strip. fat a little bit less fat on it a little, a little, bit smaller little, steak, little more a little leaner but yeah, so but, but a nice steak, and you can have the potatoes with it. So I mean, ooh, that turkey gravy would go great with it. So God, we are so hungry right now. So obviously, we're getting into the Axiom Verge re- review. So I, I kind of uh, thought about playing, trying uh, to bring this up because Axiom Two is actually just got released, um, and it's the successor to this. So this is a, a wildly, uh, a wildly successful independent game that came out in 2015, March 2015. Um, and is actually created uh, by uh, uh, Petroglyph Games engineer Tom Happ solely by him. Um, it's actually that's a little contentious point. <laughs> if you play the game, <laughs> if you go through the credits, it says this game is created was created solely by Tom Happ. And um, some people that played it actually got a little pissed at him when he said that uh, when he wrote that <laughs> on there. But to be fair, he's like, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just I. I, I did. I was the only person that remarked on. If you, if you watch a video of him, he's like a pretty chill dude. So. Yeah. So anyways, uh, Axiom Verge is a Metroidvania game by American indie developer Tom Thomas Happ. Uh, the game was originally released, in, like I said, in two, March 2015 in North America and April 15th in Europe and Australia for the PlayStation 4. So the PlayStation 4 is where it was really originally released. And eventually it was, you know, like everything else, it got released to Microsoft uh, Windows, uh, the uh, OS X, Linux, um, then it went to actually went to the PlayStation Vita before uh, the Vita went the way of the, uh, mm-hmm. the Dodo. Uh, and then eventually it was released onto uh, the Xbox Wii, uh, I'm sorry, the Wii U, uh, and eventually on the Switch. So like I said, this thing has pro- pro- proliferated for quite some time. And to kind of put it into context, it's a Metroidvania game, yep. which we talk about a lot on this show because we're into that type of game. Yes, very much but so. Uh, this game came out when the genre was kind of dead. Very much like, so. It came out in March of 2015 for reference. Another game in a similar genre, Ori and the Blind Forest, came out in 2015 mm-hmm. in May, so just a month later. And Hollow Knight, the breakaway hit, was more like 2017, 2018. Yeah. So this is kind of the regenesis of this whole This is the very genre. Yeah. And uh, I think this one didn't get quite as much hype as the other ones because this one is much kind of truer to the roots of the genre. Very much so. So I that mean, it, that it is, looks like a Metroid game. I mean, well, like as I say, you haven't played it, but you were watching, just watching video. the video. I'm like, oh my gosh, this looks like Super Metroid. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, played I played quite a bit and actually gotten about 
halfway through it and I just haven't gotten, I haven't taken the time to sit down and say, Hey, I'm going to finish this. But I really loved, I've like the first time I played it. Um, it was just before our, uh, our first, our, our son was born and mm-hmm. I would just powered through it. Like, I played for like a good solid, like eight hours mm-hmm. in like two days playing it. And it was phenomenal. But yeah, so this this game, like I said, it's a labeler of love from this Thomas Happ that you just don't see very much anymore in that style of Metroidvania. And he he did he's done he did everything, dude. Um, this was just a side project. He, he, if you watch the video, there's a development video that he he did, uh, kind of uh, anticipating back in March or back in May about the as they anticipated the release for Axiom Two. Mm-hmm. And he talks about you know he was. You know, he was like, yeah, this was just a fun little project. I told, told myself, and he goes, you know, if I don't ever do this, if I don't decide to do this, I'm never going to do it. And he mm-hmm. goes, I just did it. And he goes, and so he's working like eight hours a day as a regular develop, developer uh, for, you know, every nine to five day job. Mm-hmm. And then on the side, he's working an extra like eight hours doing this every single day oh for five gosh. years. Wow. And so, like I said, he did everything on this. He did the... Uh, that he was the artist, the, the game developer, the musician for the game, and like I said, it all started back in 2010, and he was just, it was just a labor of love that he just really wanted to do, and it's it just really interesting to watch. So you kind of the the basis on this story of the game because I know I don't want to get too much into it. He plays the scientist back uh, that's uh, mm-hmm. working on a the Axiom project uh, in New Mexico, Rosa, or New Me- somewhere in, I don't know if it was Roswell. It's in New Mexico mm-hmm. in back 2005. Um, and the story kind of progresses from there. You activate the machine and you kind of almost get transported to another dimension world type Mm -hmm. thing. And as you get in there, you have to try to, you start to find out like there's these creatures in there that are all all, like kind of mutated, much like in Metroidvania. Mm -hmm. And you have, you kind of connect with a computer, uh, that used like one of the computer, uh, like it looks like this giant head, like it's look like, it's like a, a giant female robot head, just that, like a Zordon in a tube type of thing. Kind of, it wasn't in a tube, but it's it's kind of the same thing. It's really gross <laughs> and creepy. It's on the cover. If you see it, it's 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 there. It's phenomenal looking. The art in this is gorgeous. Um, that's if that's one thing I can say about this. I love the art style in this game. Um, it's got a very retro, like eight bit, sixteen bit era, so. like limited color palette. Yeah, it, it feels like an old school game. Oh, it's just gorgeous. But yeah, but you you meet up with this this like uh, maybe early set early Super yeah. NES type stuff. You meet up with this uh, robot, uh, uh, kind of like sentient being. She's just kind of like this is our world is the deteriorated. Uh, and as I've gone, like some of my fellow like you know regulators is what I don't know if they call them, but they call them basically the people that help run the world. Kind of like fall into this disease. And this other big bad guy, which I can't remember his name, but eventually you have to go and like you go through and you have to fight them all and you get these weapons as you go through. Just like Metroid, uh, you go through and you get these power ups, you get these mm-hmm. different weapons, you get health upgrades, you get, you know, damage upgrades, things like that. But on top of it, it has all these little, it's like I said, it's, it's all platformers and it's not mm-hmm. platformers. You have to jump up different levels and have the tubes that go from the different areas. It's phenomenal. And mm-hmm. like I said, it's, if I could, if I could show you guys the visual game like through this medium, I would totally show it to you because it's it's one of my games that I I will probably go back and just play you know for probably a lot of my life because every once in a while I'll pick it up and just kind of like play with it a little bit and just kind of see where I'm at in the game. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, what did you think about just looking at it, James? Um, like I said, my my first impression just watching a clip of it was it looks just like Metroid, absolutely. And the way it has like you know some platforming elements, the power ups, 
Man, those are all kind of the elements of a Metroidvania, but this one had much more of a Metroid feel, whereas, you know, mentioning them again, like some of the newer games like Ori and Hollow Knight have more distinct art styles. They kind of have a departure from themes, and mm-hmm. you'll have their own stories and their own art style. This one felt more like a love letter back to Metroid. No, absolutely, yeah. And it looked really cool. Yeah, like I said, I would I would highly recommend you guys to go see it because, like I said, or at least go try it out because it's one of those games that, like I said, it, it's it's a labor of love that he and he said it several times when I was watching the documentary about it. Um, and it's just a labor of love that he truly just wanted some to try, put something out there that somebody would like, and it's definitely a little bit like a step up from I guess you would say story wise from just the regular Metroid game, mm-hmm. but it has all those elements still, and it's still kind of like a higher like a high sci-fi kind of almost yeah, concept. So and, it's still fun. Yeah. And you always want to support a one developer game. Cause this yeah. is like concerned ape when he did yeah. Stardew Valley. And yeah. not a lot of developers do the entire game and the art and the music. Yeah. There's a lot of people who do most of the game and then they kind of outsource the art and the music. Cause that's a whole different skill set. So, and I, I kind of want to make a, a cat, you know, a, a caveat on a point on that. So on top of that, yeah, about Mr. Hap, I'm not trying to like make you guys go out and buy it and whatnot, but I'm going to say he recently had his um, his co- his child was actually born um, a little bit after this um, uh, was released, and his actually kid, kid is actually was born with a form of cerebral palsy, oh, which is it's and he rough. I know and it, it, it's actually a lot of the money that he's gotten from this game, this first game, has been gone towards uh, medical bills uh, for his kid. So, like I said, if you, if you guys um, like I said, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, whatever it is, go out and support this guy. Cause he's like every video I've seen of this guy, he's super supportive of the community. He actually even developed a speed running mode for the game really? for people to play. And the fact, and he's constantly like, interacting with people, like the people that speed run this game or have questions about this game. He's constantly emailing him going back and forth. So you can tell it's like, he, he's truly interactive and if you guys can give just a little bit of money to this guy, um, even if this game is on sale, just go out and do it, guys. Because, like I said, he's he's a really nice guy from what I've gathered. Um, I might eat my words in a few, you know, years. Maybe he's, he's a woman <laughs> beater. I don't know. Who knows? But I, I seriously, I seriously doubt that he is. And he just seems like a really nice guy. And he seems like he's he's just really trying to uh, leave a legacy for his family now. And he's he's trying to uh, make on top of that, he's trying to make a game that he thinks that everybody really, really, really enjoys. So that's just my caveat and I'm just going to throw it out there. So, mm-hmm. but so, um, but yeah, James, overall, um, this game, like I said, originally, originally didn't get a lot of press on it. And eventually, like I said, he like had, I said that at the time when he released it, the genre was yeah, kind of dead. Yeah. He didn't get a lot of press on it. And luckily he partnered with the guy that really pushed, um, as actually used to, he actually was working for Nintendo, um, maybe like a couple months before he ended up getting hired by Mr. Happ and working really? with him. Yeah. So he, I cannot remember the gentleman's name. He hooked up with him and the guy actually was doing, you know, all of those, um, indie, uh, indie games on the Wii, on the Wii and the Wii U is what he was pushing okay. for. Um, at the time that's where he was working for. And then he, when he left, he was like, Oh, Hey, this is right up my alley. I love indie games. That's why I've been trying to push on the Nintendo and Nintendo really wasn't, you know, Nintendo doesn't really go for that all that much. They more at they, the time they didn't, the switch is when they kind of got into it. Fi- finally, I guess they finally figured out, Hey, Hey, this is a thing that you need to do. Well, um, right after they saw how much money steam was making off of them. Oh, absolutely. God. Yeah. And so they, they get in there and he really starts pushing it. And that's when this game just explodes and people are like, you know, it's, it, 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 it was just gangbusters. Um, so on top of like the, 
a huge uh, reception that it's gotten. It, it, it just was, it's one of those things that um, you got a huge reception, sold a ton of them, a ton of uh, copies. I, I'm trying to remember exactly how many they said um, they, they sold, but it looks like, you know, via the reception, they sold, I mean, are they, they, via the critical reception, um, you're looking at things, you know, most of reviews and things like that are, are around, you know, 80s, uh, 90s. I think the lowest one I saw was maybe a 79. That's pretty good. Like I said, most of these guys, you know, they, 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 they look at this game, they say, you know, this is a highly, you know, polished game for one person to be able to put this much effort into it. So um, mm-hmm. I would highly recommend you guys going out there. I can't remember how many copies he sold. He sold, you know, I think it's, I have to look it up again, but it was quite a bit. So, um, but yeah, on, on top of that, like I said, he, he was, um, he actually, um, I know I'm a little bit all over the place on this one, um, but uh after the critical reception, um, he actually did a little bit of work on it while he was preparing for Axiom Verge 2. Uh, like I said, he did the he updated it with the speedrun mode. He upgraded it with a uh, a couple updates, which fixed a few bugs. Um, I saw he even built a randomizer for his own game. Yep, I mean, that's unheard of, and that's that's what I'm saying. That's like, something which not many people are ever going to even touch. I mean, game randomizers are kind of a streamer thing. It, yeah, that's why I said he he he's very much in touch with this community and he, and the fact that it's only one person, it kind of helps a little bit. I think as a developer, he, it helps him kind of stay in touch with the people and kind of sees their needs and what they want to do. And on top of it, like I said, he is a professed like video game lover. Mm -hmm. Like he, he played these, you know, he played super Mario and all those games when he was growing up. And he he even says it in the, in the the documentary that I watched and he just, and he even says, like I said, he, he he loved Metroid and he loves these kind of games and he wants to kind of like pass it along to future generations. No. And hopefully, like I said, this you've seen this revitalization of the Metroidvania, like I said, between even the roguelites even a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think it kind of came, I mean, I hesitate to even bring it up, but like Dark Souls brought back this interest in these punishingly hard games. You're right, you had some roguelikes like Rogue Legacy and stuff. Yep. And I think Metroidvanias are kind of a natural addition to that. I mean, they're, I think, yeah, and they're a blast. Like I said, I would highly recommend you guys going out and buy it. Um, I could ask you how many Axiom Verges you give it out of out of ten, but you haven't played it yet. So. I have not played it. So, so no. how I'm, many Axiom Verges do you? Give I, I'm going to give it an eight eight and a half Axioms out of out of ten. That's a pretty high number for you. It's it's yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty skeptical on most games, but like I said, the the I love sci-fi, and it's just one of those genres that really kicks me, you know, like hooks me in. In obviously. It, I maybe I'm just stereotypical nerd. I like sci-fi and fantasy <laughs> stuff. So, but I like that. I like that it, it just had it really scratched that itch. It's kind of a weird kind of storyline. That's something that you haven't seen before, and, and or seen something like this in a long time. So, I just really enjoyed it. So, yeah, so but, great game, retro yep. art style, classic concepts. Thanks for bringing me in there because I was yeah. kind of a little bit all over the place. So, <laughs> so go out and get it if you like all those things. No, no, absolutely. So. All right, guys, I think we're going to wrap up. If you guys have any other games you guys want us to review or look at, hit us up on uh, uh, Facebook, any of the social medias. You can hit us up at seriouslypointsconvo at gmail.com. Um, like I said, it, it just tell us what you want to hear. If not, um, actually, James, I think I missed something. I think this was our uh, our uh, 
anniversary episode. Is this what, our anniversary? Episode? I think at the time I was recording oh this. Gosh, it is August. Yeah, it's pretty close. I think we 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 missed totally missed that, and so <sighs> I might have have to look at that again. I think this is episode twenty six of season two. Well, maybe we can celebrate next episode. Could be our anniversary episode. We can uh, do some one, champagne. One year together. Do James. some champagne. One year. The honeymoon phase hasn't Going broken strong. yet. Not yet. Two years. <laughs> two years honeymoon phase. Okay. Cool. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm going to say thanks. And like I said, hopefully we'll have something fantastic planned for you guys next uh, next week. Um, like I said, hit us up. Let us know what you guys like about this uh, podcast. If you don't like about the podcast, let us know as well. Um, again, James, I want to say thanks for coming in and waxing with me a little bit. Thanks uh, for having me. That yeah, was a ton of fun. Absolutely. So, all right, guys. Have a good week. All right. Bye. If you're interested in keeping up to date with new episodes on our channel, add us on any of your favorite podcasting apps or subscribe to our YouTube channel at Seriously Pointless Conversations. If you have questions or concerns, please email us at seriouslypointlessconvo at gmail.com. We appreciate any feedback. Thank you for listening to our show.